White Rocket Entertainment. White Rocket Entertainment, podcast number 401. 10, 9, 8, 7, ignition sequence started. All engines are started. We have ignition. 2, 1, 0. We have a liftoff. We have a liftoff and it's lighting up the area. It's just like daylight here at Kennedy Space Center. The second five is moving off the path. It is now clear to the top. Welcome to the White Rocket Podcast, brought to you by White Rocket Entertainment in association with all of our great supporters who are being very patient with us to get through the last of Game of Thrones via Patreon.com. I'm Van Allen Plexico, and I'm joined again for our final Game of Thrones episode by my good friend and fellow Game of Thrones fan, John Ringer. Welcome back aboard one last time for this topic, John. Happy to be here, Van. Sad to see it end. I, it's really strange. I when when the last scene closed and the screen went to black on uh, last night, Sunday night, I I just kind of said I can't quite believe it's done. It's it's been a long run. I guess eight seasons across nine years, and um, it's just been. Uh, pretty remarkable i i think that there's certainly things that we're going to talk about tonight that have been highs and lows and i think that currently people are wallowing in the lows and i understand that but uh i think when we get some perspective and look back on it i think this thing is an amazing amazing achievement yes and so tonight we're going to talk about episode six of season eight called the iron throne and I guess the first thing we need to do, as we've been doing, is just kind of get out of the way, is how do we feel about this episode, and of course we'll transition that into how do we feel about the season, and about the series, and the whole property. So, what are your thoughts, having within the last 24 hours, I guess, watched the last of the series? I didn't love the episode, but I liked it a lot. Remember last week I had a lot of concerns. Mm-hmm. So, I, there were a couple of things in this episode that I, I didn't love, but overall, I I kind of liked it. I mean, I it you know there was a lot of stuff in there, a lot of character stuff that I liked. I mean, there were definitely some things that I'm scratching my head about still that don't make any sense, <laughs> and some of the clear evidence of the the rushing and that kind of stuff that we talked about the last few episodes. Um, but overall, I mean, I you know. I thought it was I thought it was much better than last week about that. Yeah, my instant reaction as soon as it was over, I kind of tried to sum it up in a sentence or two and my in- instant thought was given where we are now, right? I mean, the, yes. the 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 ending to the show couldn't be the ending to a show we didn't see. It had to be the ending to that show. It had to be the ending to that series. And so given the decisions that had been made in weeks and months and years prior to this episode, I thought this episode was about as good as it could be. And I don't mean that as a... That is a very fair way to put it. Yeah, and I don't mean it as a damning with faint praise like I didn't... I mean, I thought it was was pretty good. I've seen a whole lot of shows where the ending was a lot worse than that. 
I've seen only a handful where the ending was a lot better than that. So it's it's I think on balance it was pretty good. Um would I have liked it better if things had happened differently leading up to this episode? Sure. Because then this episode would have been different and everything that brought us to this episode would have been different. But but it, it is what it is, and I think it ended what it had done about as well as you could end what it had done. So, well, what about this season then and about the overall series? I mean, again, I, I think people are, you know, freaking out about the the last couple episodes a little too much. Yeah. The overall series, TV series, Game of Thrones is still incredible and amazing. And I love it. And it's one of the best TV series of all time. And I, I mean, I will watch this again and again for the rest of my life. Um, but I, but I do think that the ending, especially like the last couple of episodes, you know, they had it set up, like a ramp going upward where they could have launched it and ended in a way that would have been both epic and moving yeah, and, and really punched home the character stories and told an epic, amazing, incredible story. And they didn't do that. They took kind of the easier down ramp, quick exit and got out of there and tied it with a bow and walked away. Um, so, I mean, in my mind, like the, the series as a whole is still incredible, but I think the ending, like the last 10%, you know, mm-hmm. where it could have been like a 10, it's like a three and a half. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I, I as the, the more perspective that we get on it, the more distance we get and can kind of see it as a whole, I think the more it'll, you know, get the emotions out of it a little bit, get the disappointment at some things out of it a little bit, get the excitement of some things out of it a little bit. And and one thing that's been jumping out in my mind since I saw it about 24 hours ago is this. I feel like, you know, they basically took two seasons to try to bring together all these plot lines and character arcs good and bad, you know, you know, heroic and villainous and everything in between that had been spread out over six seasons and all those books. And that was a daunting task. And it's, it's easy for any of us to say, well, we could have done it better or we know a way that they could have done it better. But I mean, you know, you're looking at a thousand choices that were made by the writers and you're picking two or three, I don't mean you, but folks in general, picking two or three and saying, you know, you made the wrong choice on that choice, but think about all those other decisions that they got right. I mean, you're asking them to pitch a perfect game and every batter to hit a grand slam, you know, through nine innings, basically. And, you know, if they struck out a couple of times and it was too bad that some of their strikeouts were in the ninth, you know what I mean, the, the eighth season, but I just think that the the the, the it would be – Hard enough, let me put it this way, it would be hard enough if they had been the sole creative people behind this story from day one. Because then they could have spent more time in season four, five, six bringing things back in, right? They were still expanding things out the way that George R. R. Martin had them expanding out all the way up into like season seven practically through season six. And they, 
they had a limited amount of time and material to bring all those things back in. I don't mean to make excuses for them. If there's things that they did wrong, and we all know that there were, that's that's unfortunate. It's disappointing, but they, the Benioff and Weiss, they had to. You know, like I said, it would be hard enough if it was their thing from the beginning and they still had to land the plane perfectly. They had to land somebody else's plane, basically, um, learning how to fly on the last five minutes of the flight, <laughs> you know, basically, because before that they had a blueprint. They had an automatic pilot, more or less. They didn't have an automatic pilot for the last two seasons. And they had to not only do that, they had to make everything that came before it lead somewhere. So it's just it's impossible for me to overstate how how much I'm how much I feel that their task was gargantuan, and did they hit a home run and pitch a perfect game? No, 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 not at all. But man, for what that they had to do, I feel like they did an amazing job. Now here's this is the one specific example that's come to me just kind of mulling it over the last twenty four hours, and that is. For seven seasons and four episodes, Cersei was one of the main villains, and Danny was more or less heroic. Now I know, yes, there were yes, you can go back over the whole series. I don't want to go off down the rabbit hole. I just want to make sure I'm 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 acknowledging this that there were moments throughout the entire series that Danny would go too far. She would do things that she shouldn't have done. She would be more cruel than she needed to be. She had to be kind of reeled in and reeled in by Tyrion or by Jorah or whoever, right? There were always these moments where Danny would do that. And and that built up to what we got in the last two or three episodes. Okay, so that's fair. Could it have been done a lot better and not seem so jarring in the last few episodes? Absolutely. But it was there. It was there. They just kind of took us. It's like they needed to get to 10, and they took us 1, 2, 3, 10. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. So that's all fair. But here's the thing. For all of that time, and given those caveats, Danny was a hero, and Cersei was a villain. And what I feel like happened is the, the creators got to the last few episodes of this last season and they suddenly needed both of those women to be villains. And that was hard because you're, you're trying to give Cersei a satisfying ending for all of her villainy, and you're trying to have her be the catalyst for Danny basically becoming a villain. And how do you do that, right? I mean, in other words, it, it, it had to have been extremely difficult to make Cersei a villain to the end and yet make her be a sympathetic victim of Danny becoming a villain in the same story. And so what they ended up doing, which I think they could have done a much better job on, is they basically said Cersei's a villain, Cersei's a villain, Cersei did all this stuff to push Danny right to the edge, and now when we get right to that point where Cersei should get her comeuppance, instead they completely sold out Cersei getting her comeuppance in exchange for Cersei being one of the catalysts that makes Danny a villain. Does that make any sense at all? It, it does make sense. I, I don't agree with you completely about the Cersei part because I feel like they still could have given her a satisfactory death and Daenerys could have given her the satisfactory death. The dragon oh, yeah. could have eaten her. Yes. I would have been... Yes. And, 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 and they... Again, like they could have 
Cersei could have contributed to Daenerys's... Well, don't misunderstand me. I'm yeah. saying this is what they did wrong. Yeah, I hear you. I'm not defending all that. I'm saying this is what they did wrong, is that they they made the conscious choice to have Cersei go from being villain that needs the comeuppance you're describing and instead be yet another tragic victim of Danny's rampage. And I'm saying mm-hmm. that was a mistake. Yes, hundred percent. Okay. Yeah, because I'm I'm saying that I feel like they got to the end and said, "Hey, we've got Cersei still alive. We could have a great, satisfying ending for her." No, you know what? Let's just make her another reason Danny goes crazy. And I I I mean, I guess Danny needed more reason, but I mean, I think that after the the Missandei thing on the wall and everything, I don't think you needed Cersei to be. Um, more provoking Danny. In other words, I don't think you needed any more... I, th- I think Cersei had served her purpose at that point, and she deserved her, her villainous turn as the, and, you know, getting killed in a dramatic way, not getting buried under rocks. Jamie or no Jamie. So, well, anyway, that was the part that bothered me the most as I think about it, is that I feel like they... I feel like we got seven... And all, at seven and two-thirds seasons of Cersei as a great villain, and at the last gasp, when they could bring her in for a landing as a great villain that gets a great death, instead they changed her into just a tool for doing something to another character. That's fair. Yeah, and that's unfortunate. So... But yeah, I think that we'll look back at the series overall, though. I mean, there's been so much. There's been so much good. I I wonder if how much knowing that the ending isn't resonating with fans that much will poison it and it won't do as well. It might even affect upcoming shows. They're already working. They're already filming the prequel. Sure. I I think the prequel's going to be fine. Yeah, well, it won't have these guys on it, so (laughs) we'll see what happens. Um. There was a this, this was very we've been talking about this for a while now. We've been saying that we need an episode where John actually does something. Well, you got it. And we've been saying we need an episode where Tyrion makes a good decision or two and makes some something good happen and I feel like to some degree we got that. It was a lot of Tyrion in this episode and a lot of good Tyrion in this episode. I mean, I think yeah. not just his speech before the king's meet meet or whatever, but like Tyrion talking to John, trying to convince him to kill Daenerys, I thought was really good. I thought it was a really good scene. And then, and then Tyrion quitting his hand, knowing what that meant for his personal safety. I thought those were great scenes. Yeah, he was basically cutting his own throat when he did that. He was very lucky yes. that it didn't work out that way. He, I think he knew it. I think at that, I think yeah. when when Tyrion tossed the little hand cl- uh, thing down the steps, I think he was basically saying. I'm committing suicide, and at this point, I'm okay with that. Well, I mean, I, I think he committed suicide when he let Jamie go free. Yeah, like he he was like, okay, I'm I'm willing to die for this. So I think, but yeah. you're right. At that point, when he like he was basically like throwing it in her face. Yeah, um, with the hand thing. He's like, so. you're going to kill me anyway. So here, I'm just going to make my point to you that that you may think I betrayed you, but I think you betrayed everything. Yes. And boom, and she wasn't having any of that. Um, but yeah, we got a lot of Tyrion, and we got a lot of John, and I thought both of them. I thought that one thing they did that was excellent with the two of them 
was you kept having people working on John, especially Tyrion, you know, like you said in that scene, working on John, working on him, working on him, saying, John, open your eyes. John, pay attention, open your eyes. And I thought that they kept John so muddled through all of that that when he does what he does finally, I didn't see it coming. I wasn't sure what he was going to do. No, I, you de- I definitely do not think he had made up his mind until he went to talk to Daenerys and heard her. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it was like they kept telling him that, and he's like, no, no, well, you know, but still, you know. And then when he went to see her, he says, you know, you are always will always be my queen. And I'm thinking, oh, he's he's turning heel with her. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, no, he's not. He basically is saying I love you and you'll always be my queen, but sometimes you got to do what you got to do. Did you think that it was that the case was made to him well enough or did that seem did you buy it? I mean again, I bought it last week. They didn't need to, they, like to me like the walk the the case was made in the first 2 minutes of the show when they walked through the streets of King's Landing and saw the bodies. Like that was it. To me, the case was you could talk as much as you wanted, yeah. but you didn't need to talk anymore. To me, she did that. She made that happen. Those, yeah. She killed those children. So I that I didn't have any problem with it at that point. I thought it was just a matter of who's going to do it. But, I mean, did they make the case to John? Yeah, I felt like they did. I mean, he saw that stuff, and you saw him staring yeah. at the bodies and stuff. So I think that— I, I think that was effective, but yeah. no. I, and I thought Tyrion's arguments were really good to him again when Tyrion was a prisoner. And I thought Arya looking at Daenerys and saying, "I know the look of a killer when I see one." Uh, I thought that was. I yeah. thought that really hit home with John too. Yeah, yeah. We we'll talk about her in a minute for sure. Um, I and as far as Danny was go- gone, I was saying that. She turned out to be Napoleon. You know, in other words, I'm here to free you from your own tyrant so I can be your tyrant. Of course, she's not going to phrase it that way, but you know, that's 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 basically Napoleon's playbook. I'm I'm here to overthrow your your own king. You're welcome. Now I'm your king, you know. <laughs> and you don't even I'm not even from here, you know. At least the other person was from here when he ruled over you. So it was very much like that. It, the idea that on the one hand, a charismatic person that comes to break the chains seems very attractive. But when they bring their own big chains, you know, and, and start blowing stuff up, that, you know, that's, uh, I, I, what can you do? So, um, and, oh, and, t- and, and the, other, the other thing I thought was kind of amusing, I thought of is when, when, uh, when Tyrion was trying to convince Jon to, to, to do something about Danny, I thought that Tyrion was going to say, John, you know what must be done. And John was going to say, I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a nice callback, but it would have been stupid. Um, and, in, and while I think about it, bef- speaking of John, and before we get on into the, uh, the specific discussion of some things, um, I, I, the last scene of the show the very last scene was john on a horse with ghost riding off in the snow away from castle black and do you know the cover the cover of the first game of thrones book a game of thrones at least the cover that i have a a, a spectra paperback is john on a horse with ghost riding away from castle black into the snow and 
I think the woods that they rode into in that scene are the same woods that the Rangers ride into in the very first scene of the opening credits of the sh- opening of the prequel wow. scene before the credits of the first episode. Right. Wow. So we're all the way back around full circle. I just, if you had told me, you know, years ago that the last scene of this, sh- of this series, the last shot of this series would be the cover of the very first book, I would be like, well, that's crazy. How could they come all the way back around to that? You know? Um, and that's another th- one last thing about John. What, what do you? I mean, I think you and I both kind of suspected that he would end up back in the north, right? We talked about it. Mm-hmm. But did you? Were you surprised that at no point? It seemed like for three episodes or more now, people have been saying, "Well, you know, John is the rightful heir to the Iron Throne. You know, John would people follow him and." People like him. He's a natural leader, and blah 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 blah. And it's like when the when the when the seat finally became available, everybody's like, "Yeah, you know, not John." It wasn't an option. I mean, do do we want to talk about the king's meat at this point, or? Well, no, no. I just I was just okay. was wondering what you thought about nobody. If I get if it was not an option, that's fine. I just it it, it just struck me as interesting that after all the talk about him, they didn't try to find some way. To make that happen, but I think it comes back to the claims thing too. Like we've talked about the the legal claims of, doesn't matter. It didn't matter here. Yeah, um, that's true. Yeah, it didn't matter at all. And mm-mm. it's and it's interesting that he goes. Remember when he got to the wall? There was a Targaryen up there already mm-hmm. before. So. Yeah. So oh, the other thing I was going to mention is. When they're in the city, Grey Worm. I mean, what did you make of him? He was always so likable, but as soon as his girlfriend got killed, and I guess this is understandable, he just went off the dark rails just like Danny did. He did. I, they were supposed to be, I guess, feeding off each other. And again, yeah. like Daenerys didn't have other advisors. She only had him, and he was kind of he was filled with hate toward the Lannisters then because they're the ones that killed her. Yeah. So it was, it was very specific to them. Um, but no, he did. I mean, again. The same way Danny burned the city, but you know, Great Worm killed an, an unarmed guy last week, and then he killed prisoners in this episode who had surrendered. Um, so that part, and this is that. Well, I got to say this while we're talking about this. Like the idea that Great Worm would not kill Jon Snow is crazy. Yes, like he kills these unarmed Lannister guys just because they're wearing the Lannister colors. Right. Okay. And Jon Snow walks out of the throne room and goes, I killed Daenerys, I surrender. And Grey Worm's like, put him in a cell. Really? Yeah, and 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 then lets him go join the Night's Watch? Although yeah, I, I, mean, th- they, I think at that point the leverage was against Grey Worm. I don't think I, he wanted to go to war over keeping that prisoner. I think I, he just kind of But said, again, the guy who lost control and killed those people in the streets that was killing the prisoners, he's worried about the leverage? What does he care? Like, what are they going to do? Kill? They're going to attack the city and kill more people at King's Landing? Boo hoo! Yeah, you know. I I mean, I think this is like this is what I'm saying. Like, it wouldn't have come down to that. I think he'd have killed Jon Snow five seconds after he walked out the door. I think Jon Snow wouldn't have made it outside of the of the throne room. And and Jon wouldn't have said, "Oh, she just hopped on Drogon and flew away." He would have said, "I did it." That's exactly right. He would have told the truth. Yep. 
And I think Grey Worm would have killed him for it. I just yeah. I, the scenario where Grey Worm keeps him as a prisoner, like what he's going to trade him for something? He doesn't care. And I don't think he would have fought his way out either. I think he would have just basically let it happen. I think he was he was ready for Drogon to set him on fire. I think he was a hundred percent. And and it, did you think Drogon was going to do it? No, not for a second, because I knew that Drogon smelled of him when he came in and knew he's a Targaryen, and so Drogon basically said, "Man, I'm pissed." And there's not really anything I can do about it. And I'm just going to take her and go. And melt the throne. Uh, yeah, oh, we called it. <laughs> we totally <laughs> called it, man. We got to take our credit. We've been for weeks saying that was going to happen. And when he when he reared back and shot the fire off to the side, I'm like, dude, you missed. And then he rears back and shoots right at the throne. I'm like, there it is. <laughs> I was so proud. Because you and I have known that was going to happen, right? I mean, that was that was destined. Destined happen. The, the other thing that was destined to happen was that somebody was going to suggest democracy. And I can't wait to get to that. We're going to get to that in just a minute. <laughs> we knew, we've been saying all along, right? Somebody's going to somebody's going to uh, suggest some kind of uh, representative republic, and let's see what happens when they do. And all right, let me pause for a second. We're about to get into some specifics of the episode in our in our second half of the episode here, and and talk about a few really big scenes and moments, and then kind of. Uh, finish on out but I gotta just really quickly thank our, our our patrons that keep us on the air and that pay the bills to keep all of our shows going and, and for you football fans that are long suffering putting up with the if you like the Game of Thrones you're like where's the wishbone it's coming we're, we're coming right back hard and strong with the AU wishbone now that Game of Thrones is over you only had six episodes to get in the way of your beloved wishbone this year folks so and now it's done so let me thank and for as little as a dollar a month you two can join in and be part of the family and keep and help us do shows like this one and the James Bond shows and the AU wishbone show and all the white rocket shows where John and I talk about books and the shows where Jim and I talk about movies and stuff so just for as little as a dollar a month, go to www.plexico.net, P-L-E-X-I-C-O.net. Click on the patron link and you can join up. Our patrons currently include Brendan O'Dwyer, Samuel Salvatore, Christopher Burleson, and Carl Von Drucker, as well as Phil Amthor, Winston Body, Willie Carden, Susan Trawick, Ben Spooner, Stephen Thompson, Chris Usher, Justin Bean, Steve Trawick, and Richard Stevens. And then there's Clarence Alford, David Higgler, Robert Mendenhall, Johnny Caldwell, Reynolds Wolfe, Joshua Corbett, Valiant Hermes, Jacob and Robin Fleming, Clay Henson, Ann Kangian, Catherine England, George Gaston, Will Summerford, John McCune, Tom Anderson, David Evers, Andrew Barber, Timothy, Steve Harlan. I'm not doing the best job on these tonight, but let's just get through it because I want everybody to be thanked that helps us do our shows. Dan Thompson, Wes Atkinson, Rich Reimer, Jared Albrecht, William Glenn Matthews, Joel Beckham, Theodore Gary, Shannon Butson, Taylor Sanford, Mickey B, Hugh Anderson, Shane Bailey, Mick Vigicana, Chris Thrash, Logan Chilton, Tony Perry, Alex Wynn, Josh Teal, David Simpson, Earl Ricks, Mike Finley, C.T. Wayne and Dave Powell. And you know, John, I'm almost done. Just one more batch as soon as I swallow. Jeremy Minton, Lane Middleton, Donnie Reynolds, Wade Carson, Ivor Evans, John Zavachin, Chris Camo, Darren Pyle, Chris, Wardam Wade, Jason Albrecht, Randall Walker, Ben Amos, Ruth, and Darren Sutherland, Patrick Williams, Rob Morgan, Stephen Schuster, James Taylor, Oh, we're in the home stretch. John Stubbs, Kenneth Brett Rains, Nicholas Craig, Russell Milling, Matthew Wagstaff, Joey Miller, Mark Squire, Spooky, Brent Rumble, J.W. Rice, Michael Morton, Lawrence Kane, and our one-time and anonymous donors, and not anonymous but definitely awesome, is Surfer Chickify, among several others. We appreciate you guys very much. And I wanted to make sure we got that in in the middle of the episode this time instead of tacking on at the end because this is the last one. Now... Uh, some big stuff happened, and let's run through it quickly in our second half here. They, the long 
walk through the city we talked about, culminating with Tyrion going down and finding the bodies of Jamie and Cersei. Did you at some moment there think, oh my gosh, he's going to find them still alive? No. Nah, no I did. I, I thought, you know, I actually exclaimed out loud, oh my gosh, they're still alive, but they weren't. No, but I I get it. He was upset about Jamie. And I, yeah. But. And, but also, I feel like because they had kind of the rocks have fallen on them and it was off screen, we needed to see Cersei's body to know that she was dead. And there yeah. was otherwise there would be this she escaped stuff out there. So, Yeah. You know, by the way, that reminded me, I was going to say a minute ago, the um, one of the very, uh, I think, a very good example, a very good example of how they really pressed the gas pedal down on the show the last couple of seasons that it would have been different and more satisfying in earlier seasons would be the whole Miss Sandy thing. Mm. In previous seasons, she'd have gotten ca- she'd have got the, the 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 attack on the ships would have happened totally differently in a more believable way. She'd have gotten captured, and there would have been five or six episodes where she was in the Red Keep being interrogated and tortured by Cersei, and and really building up and stoking that heat. And meanwhile, you'd have five or six episodes for Danny and Grey Worm to start going further and further off the rails instead of happening like like that. Do you agree? Yes. Yeah. Yes, 100%. And the old series, the earlier seasons they would have done that because George would have spent half a book on those chapters. Yes. Yeah. That's it's without that blueprint, no, it's, they just start, right. they just start connecting the dots, right? That they I said all along, I like to some degree I've enjoyed the faster pacing of the last two seasons. I'm like, let's get on with it. Let's get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, but there are occasions where they just I've, – I've said this all along. They reverse engineer the outcome they want to achieve. George would build up to it and build up to it. So even if it was reverse engineered, you, you didn't feel that way. Mm-hmm. But they're like, okay, we need X to happen, so let's have A, B, and C happen to get us to X. And you can just see the dots being connected in the writer's room, and that's what I think is bugging everybody so much. Um. We talked about John visiting Tyrion, and uh, what what did you think about uh, Triumph of the Will <laughs> when, Dan, when <laughs> Danny convenes the Nuremberg rally of the Unsullied and the Dothraki? And I was I, I looked over at my wife and I said, for for six seven how many ever seasons that we've seen these two armies, they've given us hope, right? They've been like the they've been like the rebels in Star Wars, and suddenly they look like a bunch of stormtroopers and Cylons, you know. Nazis. It's like the music was different. The lighting was different. They went, their helmets, just everything about the way they looked went from, yay, good guys, to, oh my gosh, they're a scary, sinister force. And in some ways, I kind of liked that. Yeah. You know, because it was like the same people, Mm -hmm. same, same Unsullied. Yep. But now suddenly, maybe you perceive them the way that, like, people in Westeros perceive them as the invaders. Yeah. Um, but also, like, it was the, you know, Danny was doing the, I've liberated these dead bodies, and I'm going to go liberate a bunch more dead bodies, including in the North. That's right. Oh, yeah, when she, <laughs> when she said the, yeah. that, I'm like, ah, oh, it's on now. Yeah, we, no, I think that, it, we talked about what it was that pushed on her edge. I think it was that. When yeah. she said the North, John was like, eh, that's it. Yeah, I... She says, from Winterfell to Dorne. And I'm like, uh-oh. Because you just named the two places, A, that I think Dorne never really got with the program, did they? Mm-mm. And the North was always like, 
the hardest to corral other than maybe the Iron Islands, but they're too weak to, relatively speaking, to do anything. But yeah, so... Yeah, when she said the North, I'm like, this is this is Napoleon saying we're going to spread the French Revolution to Austria and Prussia and and Russia and England and Spain and you know, this is uh, Daenerys Uberales. I, I was thinking that Lenny Riefenstahl directed that, <laughs> directed that scene. So John kills Danny. Did what did you think about how? And we already talked about the Drogon melting the throne and flying away with the body, but. How did I mean? Did you see that coming? Did you think he was just going to stab her? I get. I mean, you know, I. I guess he's the one person that could put himself in a position to do it. Yes, that could be in, in her presence, armed and yeah. that close to her with no guards around. Yeah. So he was the only person that could do it. So I, I guess, but also I like I thought he again after after last week and and like the but the dead bodies and then her speech about going to the north liberate them. Um, I thought that I thought he was going to, and then also like her, you know, when he talked to her, she was kind of manic and, uh, you know, I think that's, he, he knew what was going to happen to him. He figured he was going to die, but he was going to try to save more people. So he did it. And it surprised me. Like I said, they played against it the whole scene, right? Mm-hmm. They, they played up yes. his loyalty. This is what I wish could have happened, but I'm sitting here thinking about it, and I'm not sure it would have logistically worked. I would have liked for Arya to try first using a fake mask. You know, she hasn't done a face the entire season. I'm aware. Yeah. And it, I, you know, I said it turned out that, yes, she killed the Night King, and that's awesome, but they kind of made that decision off the cuff, I think, at the very you know last second, the writers did, and so that it wasn't like her arc was building up to killing the Night King. They just said, "Hey, we've got Arya. Let's have her do it," which means that her entire arc of building up to becoming a great assassin led all the way up to her killing Walder Frey. Hmm. That's it. I mean, what did she do? I mean, again, I know she killed the Night King, and that's amazing, and that's awesome. But like I said, they admitted that they got to the part where the Night King came up to Bran, and they looked at each other and says, well, who can kill her? Who can kill him? Hey, I know. Let's let Arya do it. She could do it. They, they basically said that in the writer's room, which means that that wasn't the plan, which means that she went through everything she went through and became the great assassin so that she could kill Walder Frey, Right. And then become Columbus and sail to America. She she killed all the Freys, not just one. Yeah, right? yeah, and they had it coming, and that's great. That was very satisfying. But it just didn't feel like it, it didn't it didn't it always feel to you like she had something bigger that she was building up to. And again, um, I know 100%. she I know she killed the Night King, but again, that was a default thing. That was not a plan. That was yeah. a, she happens to be there, let's have her do it. That's a lot different from Arya will go through all this and become a great assassin so that she can blank. You know what I mean? Yes. So, um, so I would have liked to have seen Arya try to kill Danny first. And the when Drogon smelled of her, Maybe she's disguised as John. Maybe she's disguised as Grey Worm. Maybe she killed Grey Worm and took his face. And the dragon is like, sniff, sniff, and goes, you know, and they capture her, but she gets away or something. And then John is like, how dare my little sister do that, or my little niece or whatever, or cousin or whatever. I, I, I don't know why she would do that, Danny. 
Urgh. You know, I, I just feel like they could have done something with Arya there. I don't want her to succeed, but I wish she had tried. And again, this is where Arya should have killed Cersei last week, and yes. then you wouldn't feel this way. Right. And yeah. Cersei would have gotten the death she deserved. So that's the part where it's like, eh. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Because if, if John's going to kill Danny, then yeah, Arya. Because the only other person that really has a, has a stake in killing. Cersei that much would be Sansa, I guess, and she wasn't there, and she's not going to bloody her hands anyway. She's going to have somebody else do it. So, yes. Um. All right. Um. So after that happens, they free Tyrion, but they won't free Jon, and they have the the meeting in the Dragon Pit to to basically decide how to govern the realms in the future. I like how they hadn't even seemingly decided to even have this conversation until Grey Worm says, well, who am I supposed to talk to? And they're like, well, I guess we have to pick somebody. Now, this gets me to one of my favorite moments the entire series where Sam says, (laughs) I know, let's create a parliamentary representative democracy and empower the people. And do, and do all the others say, what a great idea. We shall make progress in this realm by empowering the people. No. 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 They say, I'll give my dog the vote. Ah, <laughs> 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 oh, democracy. You're so silly. And Sam's like, I'm just so gonna, naive. And Sam's like, I'm just going to go sit down here and be quiet now. He doesn't get as much of a comeuppance as Edmure does, though. Let's talk about that for a second. Edmure's been gone for so long, I think a lot of viewers didn't even know who that was. I was having to tell my wife, he's a Tully. But I couldn't even honestly remember beyond that. I remember he was not very successful at Tullying. But what, what to remind us, those of us that can't remember exactly what his last deal was. The Blackfish got away, yeah. didn't he? he was no, a, the Blackfish was killed in... in Oh, that's so, right. again, okay. Edmure Tully is a screw-up, okay? He's Catelyn's younger brother, but oh, because right. you know, the sisters were married off, he's Lord of River Run. But remember, at the father's funeral, he misses the boat three times with the bow and arrow, and the blackfish has to elbow him out of the way and then hit shoot the arrow to burn the the Catelyn's yeah, father's boat at the funeral, right. uh, at the Viking funeral thing. Then um, Edmure goes in the... I'm pretty sure this is in both the books and the TV show. Edmure goes and fights some battles when when Rob is off fighting in other parts of the of that of the West and does and Ed, but Rob had told him just hold River Run, don't do anything. And Edmure goes out and fights some battles and wins like some small battles. And he thinks he's a badass. And Rob and the and the Blackfish come back and go, "You idiot! We wanted to lure Tywin Lannister over here so that we could beat him, and you scared him off by winning the one dumb battle, you idiot! So you screwed <laughs> up our whole big plan." Um, and then he gets captured at the, it's his wedding at the red wedding and he gets you know yeah. uh he uh, gets married to a fray and he sleeps with her and then they take him prisoner and he ends up a fray prisoner in most of the show and then he's they bring him out and he's the guy that they hold the you know they're gonna you know threaten to kill outside the gates of river run and the blackfish is like eh, hey, go ahead and kill him <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I, so much of this I'd forgotten because it's been a while and a lot of a lot of a lot of water under the under the Tully Bridge. But uh, yeah, that's great. So he he he's like, I'd like to mention some of my accomplishments now. Blah blah, and and Sansa just shuts him down. That was that was hardcore. Sansa's just like it, Uncle. It was, it was absolutely brutal and one of the funniest things in the entire show. Yeah, that was really amazing. 
So you had that yeah. moment. You had Sam with the democracy attempt. Uh, Sam Adams Tarley. Um, and then uh, they decide to dis- they decide to go with with Professor X. That was bizarre. Yeah. Now I had I'd listened to a podcast in the before the season started where they were talking about the betting odds for the different people, and there were rumors that Bran was getting a lot of bets, and it didn't make any sense, obviously, because we because we like. What everybody else was dead? Like, how would Bran end up the king? Right. Um, and I even when Tyrion was talking, I didn't think he was going to pick Bran. Um, yeah. I I mean, Sansa is the most qualified person. Yes. To 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 run the realm, and and, and maybe she would have said no. I want to stay in the north, uh, so that I'm not going to be queen of the Seven Kingdoms. But they should have offered it to her first. And, and and the other part is like, Bran knows a lot of stuff, but does that make an effective ruler? No, no, not really. I mean, I, I mean, he has to be able to lead people and get stuff done, and I, I mean, and I just can't see him doing that. Yeah, staring out creepily and being able to see things in time doesn't uh, necessarily qualify you to be a great leader. I don't know. Um, although I did like. Um, that when they looked at him and said, would you do it? He says, why do you think I came all this way? Like, I, I knew all along, see, this is all part. And at that point, I'm like, it's all part of the plan. And and and, and think about this, too. You now have, you know, Sansa made her move. She's like, this is the best chance I'm ever going to get. If my own brother can't make this happen, nobody can. So she's like, the North is going to be independent. We are just not bending the knee to anybody down here in the South again. That's not going to happen. And Bran's like, sure, no problem. And I'm thinking, you've just agreed to put two Starks Mm -hmm. on two thrones. You've got two kingdoms now, both led by this one family. And... I realize that I imagine the North is hereditary, so if Sansa has a son or a daughter, they'll take over. I'm not sure who exactly she's going to ever marry, but um, that you know, if there's anybody left that's worthy of her. But um, I think she, by the way, came out about as good as anybody did in this show, in the whole so whole series. One hundred percent. But I certainly never liked her until the last couple of seasons, and now I just have enormous respect for what what she accomplished and what who she became. But anyway, I guess the saving grace of the fact that you've got two Starks ruling two kingdoms now is that one of them won't be replaced by another Stark. In other words, when when Bran is no longer king for whatever reason, there'll be somebody else be king. Yes, it, it, it won't be a necessarily a Stark. But this is my question. When when they propose Bran as king, and then at the end Sansa says the North's going to be independent, even though he's my brother or whatever, yeah. how how did Dorne and the Iron Islands not go, whoa, if the North's being independent, we get to be independent too? Like, how did that not well, happen? And, and in fact, Yara basically went the other way and says, we're loyal to the last queen. Yes. And I'm like, wait yes. a minute. You guys aren't loyal to your own king. You guys well, don't know she, what loyalty means. Yara, Yara, Yara did swear allegiance to Danny. She went all the way across the ocean to do yeah, it. So she did. Yeah, and she's like the one honorable Iron Islands person other than Theon in his last day of life, basically. 
in the entire history of the Iron Islands, you've got Yara and like Theon for five minutes, and that's it. The rest of them are crap. But, mm-hmm. uh, but um, yeah. So, yeah, I know it all just it all seemed very odd. It was neat, by the way, though, to see somebody from Dorne, somebody from the Airy. Wasn't that uh, little Robin there grown up? That was Robin, Aaron, and and uh, you know, and and Royce, Ron, Yon that we've seen a couple times, and then Gendry. Yeah, uh, well, he's the Lord and, of Storms in now, unless they revoke that because. No, he was. I hope so. I my, I think my favorite moment also, besides the ones we've mentioned, is when they're voting and it gets to Davos. <laughs> and he's, yes. Davos says, I'm not sure if I get a vote, but yes. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> why is he even up there, honestly? I mean, he's a smuggler and he's kind of like the unofficial hand of the King of the North, more or less. But other than that, I mean, you know, but... Uh, and he's the master of ships or something, I guess. He's the Lord Admiral or something, I guess. But uh, I just thought it was funny that he's acknowledging, I, I, I don't really know if I even get a vote, but I'm just going to go ahead and vote yes anyway, <laughs> just for the heck of it. Um, all right. So, yeah. So you got a new system. I, it's interesting. They did break the wheel in a way, right? They, they, yes. they burn the Iron Throne. There is no more Iron Throne. Bran kind of has his portable throne, but that only lasts for him, presumably. Um, they'll have to have a new throne in the future because they're going to keep monarchy. It's just that in the future, instead of it being a, a dynasty, it'll be more like, I guess, the Holy Roman Empire, where they just sort of elect somebody out of the nobles to be the new ruler for a while. And Yes. I guess. Old school House of Wards. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's limited to a very limited number of families they're going to choose from. They're not going to choose, you know, whoever you know, some tiny family and be like, well, that guy's really good. We should make him king, you know? So I I wonder who would take over eventually from Bran. I guess he's young enough that we don't even know. That person might not even be born yet that ends up taking over from him or they're very young. So, um, I, I did, we, we also totally called, um, Brienne going to be, uh, leader of the King's guard commander, the Lord commander of the King's guard, but uh, but also, um, uh, let's see, Tyrion as hand as the hand of the king again, and I like how they kind of had to basically get across to Grey Worm. He's on. He's he's our possession now. You no longer get to say what he does, and he's going to pay for his mistakes by being a better hand of the king for me than he was for Danny or for. Was he for Joffrey maybe for five minutes? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But so he he has to pay for it by service. You right. know, instead of like he him going off to Castle Rock to, you know, drink and lay around the castle and read books the rest of his life, he has to work. So what, what's, I think that's, uh, what's left of the land? There's not anything left of the Lannisters now, is there? Just him. Yeah. I mean, even their soldiers all got executed. So, so I mean, he could get more soldiers, but but, but who's running Castle Rock now? Uh, whoever he picks, I mean, it's his place. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, I guess that's true. Um, I liked Brienne uh, as commander of the King's Guard and getting. I, we totally saw that coming, and getting to write Jamie's chapter because he was notable for having a very short one. Although it should have said served. This, I don't remember what it said, but it it. I would imagine it would say served as commander of the king's guard or 
Well, he wasn't commander, was he? Was just part of it. No, he was commander of the King's Guard after after Barristan Sully was dismissed. Jamie That's was right. commander, and then basically let his king die twice, or killed him once, and then let him die another time. Right? Maybe three if you count Tommen. <laughs> it's true. Not the greatest record as a bodyguard. It's like it's like if Abraham Lincoln, John <laughs> F. Kennedy, and um, um, uh, the one in between, uh, the Garfield and uh, mm-hmm. the other one, all, all had this. All, all had the same Secret Service, service guy. <laughs> He's like, well, I'm, I'll get better. Um, uh, John as Lord Commander of the Night's Watch. I think that our 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 great running back Carryon Johnson summed it up best when he was like, "Wait, Night Night's Watch? Why is there a Night's Watch?" But I mean, it it okay. The the walls knocked down and doesn't have the magic spells on it, presumably anymore. So the wall is kind of useless. And this, even if they build the wall back, it won't have the magic spells, presumably that that keep the evil spirits out. Remember, it wasn't it wasn't just the wall being a wall. It was that the wall had ancient magic spells woven into it to keep the the Night King and his and his army out. So that's <clears throat> that's gone. It looked like the only people in in Castle Black were Tormund and his crew, which was good to see him again, by the way. So, um, um, and then at the end, they don't even guard Castle Black. They just get on their horses and ride north. So what was going on with all that? I mean, this is one where they could have taken one second to say a sentence about what the Night's Watch was doing after this. But in my mind, like the Night's Watch was still there to protect the the realms of men because they're always going to be wildlings who end up bad guys like some of the guys we saw in the wildlife coast the you know the the lord of bones and the yeah. some of those other guys that were kind of uh, crazy raiders and stuff who want to raid the north and kill people and and that kind of stuff and so the night's watch is there to basically prevent those people from harming the north and and to resettle the wildlings back north of the wall. So this is the other part of the end of the show. Like the Unsullied got on a ship and sailed away. I feel like the Dothraki got put on a ship and sailed away and the wildlings got resettled back north of the wall. So all the military forces that came in to help were getting kind of displaced. And I feel like John's role as Lord Commander was to make sure that resettlement happened. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Well, what was important about it was he got to see Ghost again, and we got the hug. And Ghost needs some reconstructive surgery on that ear. I, I'm afraid I, I feel bad for him with his little ear stubby, but, but it was good to see them back together. But yeah, it was interesting. They rode off in the north, and we just didn't get any. I, I think you're right, but they certainly didn't do a lot to give us that information. I guess we're just supposed to assume it since he was with the wildlings, right? Yeah, it's him and Tormund and a whole bunch of kids. There are a lot of children and everything. So it was everybody that survived the uh, the uh, attack of the um, the night army, the army of the night. Um, let's see. Uh, what about Arya going off to be Christopher Columbus or a conquistador or Magellan or something? I mean, it, she wants to have adventures and sail around the world, and that's what that's what she's going to do. I mean, she couldn't very well say, "I'm going to go kill people." That I feel like need killing, um, you know, and she and the settling down thing was never going to happen. No. So I think this is a, I like it. I mean, she always admired 
you know, these heroes and stories that went out and had these big adventures and did great stuff. And so that's, she's done some stuff already, but she wants to do more. So I, I like it. So her mission is, I'm going to sail into the West, meet new, unch- find new uncharted lands, <laughs> meet interesting new people, and kill them. Uh, if they deserve it, 100%. If they deserve it. Um, yeah, I, there was some talk that maybe she would wind up in Westeros as basically Batman, which would have been interesting, uh, you know, kind of going around in the shadows, righting wrongs here and there. But I, I somebody's got to do a meme or a cartoon or something of her sailing along and she runs into like Frodo and Gandalf and the elves on their boat <laughs> heading west, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, where are you guys going? I'm going to the West. Oh, me too. Good. All right, we'll follow you. That's interesting. Uh, yeah, Sansa's Queen of the North, and I, I think that was the most single, most obvious thing that we could have ever seen. There was that was always going to happen, right? I mean, she, yes, but I'm I'm happy, you know, that she got that and that they did it, and and everybody seemed very happy about it. I mean, yeah, you'd be happy to have her as your queen. There's no doubt. She certainly mm-hmm. seems to have her act together, and I, I think that. I've seen some some people object to the idea that she she all the bad things had to happen to her to make her who she was, and she said that. And I understand the point, right? Other people are saying she could become a great person without horrible things happening to her. I totally agree, and that is fair. However, those things did happen to that character, and they did make her who she is. So while she might well have become great without those things happening, she did, in the story, become great as those things happen to her. So that's just how it played out. We'll never know, right, who she would have been. She might have continued to be vain and, and you know, interested in needlepoint and stuff like that if, if not for encountering people like Littlefinger and Cersei and Joffrey and all the people she encountered along the way that, that did shape who she was. So, Yes. Um, let's see. This, we talked about the small counts a little bit. Braun is now both Lord of Highgarden and Keeper of the Coin. He just keeps getting bigger and bigger. I, I get it. They had to give him Highgarden. That was part of the deal. But why do we – Braun was a sellsword. Why do we think he knows something about accounting or investing or – I don't know. He took a, he's taking a few classes in night school. Get it? Okay. Night school. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I did like that his priority was the brothels. <laughs> he, he has his priorities in mind, and he's going to stick to it. He's, that's who he is. So, <clears throat> But, yeah, I, I think it's funny that he ended up – he just gets more – he's like – you could arguably say, is there any character in the entire series that's gone from lower and climbed higher than him? He and Davos, I guess. Yeah. But, but even Davos didn't climb that high and didn't start that low. It's like on a scale of 1 to 10, Braun started as like a 2 and ended up a 9. Davos started as like a 3 and ended up an 8. Is that, you know what I'm saying? It's fair. So, yeah. But everybody likes Braun, so that's cool. Um, Sam is now like Grand Grand Meister or something? Yeah. Yeah. thought that was great. Yeah. And you got to have Davos around. Uh, And like you say, the, the Unsullied went to Narth to hang out on the beach and think happy thoughts about... Well, and... And to protect the people of North. That was their that's their mission. Yeah. <laughs> the way they've been acting though, I'm not sure I'd be excited if they showed up on my beach. Mm-mm. I'm like, mm, we're okay, thanks. 
And the Dothraki went off back to drive their, ride their horses around the grassy lands again, I guess. Um, I, you know, I, I, well, we, let's see, we talked about Cersei and we talked about Jamie and Edmure and Sansa and, uh, Tyrion. So yeah, I think that's, uh, what are we, what are we missing? Any, uh, anybody else that we haven't covered in our very last, uh, talk about it? No, but other than the idea that if Bran can possess people and suggest their thoughts, what if Bran set the whole thing up? Yeah, that's definitely a possibility. I mean, because again, you got the Starks end up coming out better than anybody. What, John, what if he made Danny go crazy because he saw a future where he could be king and you know Sansa could be queen of the North? It's possible. I think it's giving <laughs> Bran way too much credit. A hundred percent. But but it's possible. Hey, he hasn't shown any initiative to do that kind of thing. But. No, he just kind of lets things happen, and they fall into his lap there. But uh, certainly did fall into his lap. But, uh, yeah, so, yeah, all the more grandiose theories about these characters are going to have to wait for the books. They could still happen there, where there would be plenty of room for them to happen. I think that the – I feel like Benioff and Weiss basically just said, look – Prophecy is prophecy, but we got we got three hours left now to, to wrap this thing up. So, you know, if we're having a hard enough time, have it all make sense doing it however we need to do it. If we start having to follow some prophecy too, screw it. We're never gonna <laughs> we're never gonna make it all work. So, I think they. But, just I, kinda... but I can I can see how the prophecies will work though, hundred percent. Like I, I mean, again, like the Valencar, like I think. It didn't say that he'll choke her. I think it said that she'll die with his hands around her neck, his uh, arms around her neck, or something like that. And okay. I think Jamie was hugging around the neck when they died. There you go. Um, but like, did he cause her to die? Mm, um, or anyhow, or did yeah, I guess uh, Daenerys caused him to die? So is she the Valonqar? So then, and the other one, and like the. You know, John stabbed Daenerys. People thought, you know, like it's so he's a Zora High, that kind of prophecy too, because he killed the one that he loved. Um, so I, I, to save the world or whatever, I think people, I think I could see 100% the book framing it that way. Yeah. Yeah. And, and Cersei was, at least for a moment, displaced by the younger, beautiful queen. Mm-hmm. And um, Bran, <laughs> I, I, I have seen that meme. That's funny. <laughs> oh, that's good. I hadn't seen that. That's good. And um, <laughs> it's got like pictures of Bran, like chilling, like looking, looking good. So it's yeah, funny. there you go. All right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know of any other characters that that come to mind immediately that we've missed. But um, um, I, I don't know. I guess in in summing it all up. I, I'll just my argument I'll make till the end, till something changes my mind is that George R. R. Martin took a great big box of Legos and just dumped them out in the entire living room floor, and for six seasons he was swirling them around. And in the last two years, Benioff and Weiss said, "All right, we got to build something out of all these Legos, and we got to make it look something like people expect it to look." But it has to be in the same way that we've gotten this far, and they got a lot of constraints to deal with. And so sometimes you could see their hands snapping the Legos together. You know what I mean? 
Mm-hmm. And sometimes they used like great big sets of blocks already put together rather than slowly and subtly building up their little Lego castle. But um, so could, I guess my final thought is, could it have all come to an end better? Absolutely. Um, but I wouldn't have wanted to be the one to try to do it because my goodness, you know, they, they took shortcuts. They reverse engineered the story to get to where it needed to be at the expense of characters acting their normal way. Yes, absolutely. And by the way, if you don't like that, don't watch Watchmen, this upcoming HBO show. I was so excited to have a Watchmen series coming. I was so excited. The fact that, um, Alan Moore isn't involved in it doesn't bother me a bit because he's never been involved in anything Watchmen since he wrote the freaking script 30 years ago or whatever. So that's fine. But um, the, the showrunner for Watchmen is Damon Lindelof, who has made a career out of doing exactly what people don't like Benioff and Weiss doing in the last season of Game of Thrones. Just a little warning. If you don't like reverse-engineered storytelling so that characters act in a weird way to further a predetermined plot, you're not going to like... <laughs> you're probably not going to like Watchmen. I just... That's how he operates. Um, so, yeah, I it, it, it didn't have the greatest ending ever, but I feel like it had um, as good of an ending as it could have had at this point, and that's enough, I guess. So... I. I think for my final thought, I want to say that, you know, we picked a lot at the, like the ending episodes over the last few weeks, but I want to step back for a minute and look at the whole picture and say, you know, still an incredible, I mean, you could be unhappy about how it ended, but it doesn't mean that it's not a towering achievement. It's not an incredible epic story with a, thousands of great moments and i like and i have criticized benioff and weiss in the last couple episodes but i have i want to give them some credit for a couple of things now Mm -hmm. the first thing is the casting of the characters on this show is one of the best casting jobs that's ever been done in the history of film or television it's amazing how many great actors and how many great people they got to be in the different roles that were just perfect and even the people that were in for like one or two episodes in a key role, they were great. Um, but the main actors were all amazing, and I'm very happy with all that. And then I think, you know, again, the first few seasons, the budget was very limited. They were doing a lot of smoke and mirrors kind of stuff mm-hmm. to carry off a show that was supposed to be and feel epic. But they couldn't afford to do Epic at the beginning. and But it doesn't mean that it was bad. It just means it was kind of a different show. And they did a great job with it. They really, really did. And I think they really, you know, there's these books and these stories that I really love. And they brought them to life. And I really appreciated that. Yeah, I you know, I, I totally agree. I totally agree. And I think um, if for those of you that are looking for something sort of, sort of similar... Not necessarily in terms of what it's exactly about, but in terms of like the more mature, more adult themes, but with the fantasy element to it, romance and and battles and everything. Um, check out Outlander. Outlander on, I believe, Stars. It's going into maybe its fourth season coming up soon, and it's um, 
it's done by the showrunner that did the the new version of Battlestar Galactica, but it it has a it has kind of a Game of Thrones in contemporary recent European and American history. And I think if you like some of the things about Game of if you like the dragons and the ice zombies, then no. But if you like, you know, the serious character drama with a historical tableau behind it and suspense and all kind of neat character stuff like that, I think you should check out Outlander. That'd be my, just off the top of my head, my, my, what do you, where do you go next uh, suggestion. So, well, you want to call that a season then and call that a series? Let's call it. Let's do it. Well, you know, it's, it's done now. They can't kill it because what is dead can never die, John. I, I, I think that made sense. It did. Dower Margolis. And um, what do we say to God of Death now that the show is over? Not today. Not today. All right. We will see you guys down the road. This has been a White Rocket Entertainment Production.